Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. You can tell that I didn't get here first today because Corey, my buddy, my partner, my co-host, <laughs> the beat reporter here at Pitt for Pitt Athletics at DK Pittsburgh Sports, he named the show Fixing All of It. I probably would have named it Venting All mm. of It because I really might just go off. So, Corey, hey, welcome to Boo City and say hello to everybody. Live from Boo City, Pennsylvania. I'm glad you brought that up from the Let's start. Let's start right there, because what kind of a moron gives the entire country a nickname for your city and your school? That's like That's, that. It's That's criminal. That. What a moron. Well, oh, Gary. Yeah, the Monday press conference was something. I said this to you before we recorded. If I recorded this show minutes after the game on Saturday or an hour or whatever I got home Saturday, okay, which was about 2.45 in the morning, okay? Right. Um, I would have probably been a lot more uh, spirited, I will say, than I am today. And it would probably reflect some of what you're feeling and how you feel today behind a 17 to six backyard brawl win for West Virginia. The score is not indicative of it. It's not. This is beyond terrible what's going on at Pitt right now. And look, I, I know that what I wrote after the game and I still stand by every word that I said was very, very hard to digest for some. I know that it was also sobering for some. And I feel like, Gary, you and I are on the same page, and especially after you read uh, more than likely what I wrote, is that it starts with the quarterback. Pitt needs a new quarterback. This can't persist. And it was dead on. It's exactly true. And you can't really deny it. You watch what you're seeing. I mean, like, there's nothing there. There's no redeeming quality here. There's nothing I can hang my hat on. If the line gives him time, he doesn't use it. If the line doesn't give him time, he chooses to think he has way more than he does. And if he is not supposed to run or there's no hole, he runs. If he has a, a, an open receiver, he chooses one that's double covered. I There's just nothing I'm seeing there. And I think everybody that watched the game sees that. Mm -hmm. We have two backups that I think they have multiple times now said they trust their including after in. the game, including after the game. Yep. Sure. So then for the first time I can remember a head coach has an interview and he says, well, I don't make that decision. Frank Signetti makes that decision. I, I lean on him to do that. I I'm paraphrasing of course, cause I don't, sure. I can't, I don't this even want to puke in my mouth reading the words. So Pat Narduzzi says, I don't make that decision. I spend most of my time in the defensive room. Amazing that you pick the side that's not, a, <laughs> you know, crapping the bed on a nightly basis. Mm -hmm. You hired the offensive coordinator. Enough said, fool. It's on you. And perhaps push the old one out in the process and burn the bridge for that old, old offensive coordinator in the process. This offense has... Look, the defense is the positive, but the issues start on offense. The fact of the matter is that defense held West Virginia to 211 yards of offense at 17 points. 
you should win the football game. That's the bottom line. You should win the football game if you hold the, if you hold the opposition to that score. This offense didn't have a chance from the moment it took the field. It didn't have a chance. It had a really nice first drive that stalled uh, that stalled in deep in West Virginia territory because, and I'm paraphrasing, they didn't trust Phil Dracovic to throw the forward pass. <laughs> I mean, they didn't trust enough. They didn't trust him enough to throw the forward pass for 12 plays. Corey, they, I watched the game. West Virginia didn't trust he'd try it. No, West and, Virginia and was one of their press DBs, coverage up against the line the entire game, and one of their DBs said as much. They. I forget exactly which one it was, but he basically said, we knew that quarterback stunk. We knew he wasn't good at his job. So guess what? 12 running plays in a row. Phil lets it loose on the first play or on the first first pass. And then two passes later, it's an interception deep into West Virginia territory. And the, the worst of it all, Gary, was the slow and painful death that occurred to Phil Dracovic's career in Morgantown. It's not because he stunk and stunk up the joint in such a fashion to 81 yards and three interceptions abysmal showing it's the fact that the pit fans in morgantown booed phil Dracovic in the offense onto the field that's that can't happen that can't happen in any sport any league any level you can't have the road fans booing the road offense on the road in the in the biggest game of the year arch rival setting the road fans were booing the road team that's how bad this has gotten and the fact that Phil Dracovic played the second half is the biggest crime of all. He had no business, no business being on the field in the second half whatsoever. He does not give them the best chance to win football games. He simply does not. Not in this state. Not in the way that he's playing. Not in the way that he's throwing the football. And look, we can put as much as we want on Phil Dracovic. This is on Phil. This is on Pat Narduzzi. And this is on Frank Signetti to make some kind of a call, some kind of an adjustment, some kind of change. I mean, the season right now, pit at one and two, North Carolina is going to smoke them at Absolutely. this rate this weekend. They're going to smoke them at this rate this weekend. So Pitt's going to be one and three going into Virginia Tech. And by that point, who the hell knows? Right. Spoiler so, alert for segment three, North Carolina is going to kill Pitt. We're still going to talk about it. Sure. But <laughs> right now, let's wrap up Pat Narduzzi before we take a break. Because he did one other boneheaded thing, I think. Okay. Holding Phil Dracovic back from the media after that performance. Where he would have an opportunity to potentially maybe own up and apologize for the, what he'd said the week before about the Booers and maybe stop this train from rolling a little bit. Instead of having his coach hold him back from the media and then camp on and double down on it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these no are fireable things, Corey, for a program. No joke. Like, no Phil Dracovic after the biggest game of the year, right? Uh, to this to this point, it's Pitt's biggest game of the year, and I have a feeling that by mid-November, we're going to be saying the backyard brawl was the turning point, the thing that defined Pitt's season, the biggest game of the year. And the fact that the quarterback was not made available to talk, and I will put money on it that it was Pat Narduzzi's call and not the great EJ Borghetti's call. You know, EJ is tremendous at what he does and he has tremendous judgment in what he does. And I trust him to do the right thing as well. This is, this is not an indictment on Pitt in their sports information or their, um, you know, their athletic communications. This is not an indictment on them whatsoever. This is a pointing the finger at Pat Narduzzi saying, listen, your quarterback said some really dumb things after the last game and then is going to get that coming to him in the next game. Give him a shot to atone for it. 
give him a chance to say, I played terribly. I could not throw the forward pass. We stunk the joint up today. And then apologize for, for booing the booers, if you will. I mean, and I'll take it a step further. Anything, take the kid anything. aside, tell him what to freaking say, and then shove him out in front of the microphone and say, don't say anything but this. Like That's it. Just go out and make a statement and then oh. come back. Maybe, I mean, like, do something to try to help this kid out because that yeah. didn't do it. And I'm not going to, like, rehash ancient history, but I will say this goes above Pat Narduzzi. Because this happened to you during the basketball season that mm-hmm. they had a poor performance and all of a sudden none of the athletes were available. And I'm not saying that's EJ Borghetti, but I am saying somebody is allowing it. Well, EJ was not there at basketball. I want to, I'm going to clear EJ. EJ was not there at basketball. I'll, I'll happily clear EJ and I'm not implicating EJ for this. I'm going to say that was a Pat Narduzzi call for football and it was a Jeff Capel call for basketball. I'm going to 100% say that. And somebody should be telling them that's not acceptable, is my point. I don't care who that is. Heather Like, somebody needs to tell them that's not okay, because it shouldn't be. Take our first break. We'll take our first break here, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what actually happened in this game and what you see as fixable, because (laughs) I'm not seeing it, brother. And welcome back to the HTP podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey, watched the game. I saw a defense that was really, really trying hard to do the best they could to slow down the one player we said that needed to be looked out for, Donaldson. I felt like allowing him a little over 100 yards was probably best case scenario considering how often they were trying to use him and how talented he was. But everything else, they pretty much slowed down. There were no big splash plays, no big turnovers, one sack. Eh. You know, you'd like to see them get a little bit more pressure than that. But West Virginia wasn't really dropping back enough to, like, think you were going to get that sort of thing. So I thought the defense performed well. And like you said, they should have won. The offense is the real problem. Mm-hmm. Break it down yeah. for me. What did the, you see? I, the defense gave the offense the best chance they could to win the football game. Now, look, the defense was far from perfect. Donovan McMillan played his tail off. Uh, 18 total tackles for the safety. Unbelievable performance. Um, CJ Donaldson was always going to get his in this game. And now at this point, the run defense has become somewhat of an issue because that's two weeks in a row now. Corey Kiner from Cincinnati and CJ Donaldson from West Virginia were the ones that put put the offense on them, that piled it on. And look... West Virginia, after Garrett Green goes down, was not going to throw the football a lot. They threw it nine times with that backup quarterback, and he didn't throw it for a lot. So the pass defense was going to adjust to pro- be prone to the run, to be you know getting ready to blitz and all that stuff. And the defense, to, to their credit, held their own. Considering the other side of the football could not stay on the field, and... At some point, that defense, when you're on the field for as long as they are, when West Virginia, they're not doing much like insane as far as yeah. scheme goes, as far as gash plays go. They let a few up, but 
that defense was on the field for a long time on Saturday. And when your offense can't transition and, you know, the complimentary football cliche, so to speak, that's what happens. It eventually breaks. The dam eventually breaks. So I think that's what we saw. The line broke down right yes. in the third quarter. Yes. So you can't put you can't put this on the defense. You just can't. The bottom line is is the quarterback play has to improve. The offense, in a general sense, has to improve. My biggest concern with the offense was the wide receivers. Turns out there's more than that. And by the way, the offensive line has been awful. Yeah. So far. I mean, look, we can talk about the defense and the positives all we want, but the fact of the matter is Pitt lost this football game and they lost the Cincinnati football game because the offense can't do it. Uh, They just can't do it right now. Yeah. We did get to see Rodney Hammond more. We asked for that. We saw that. In a technical sense. 14 carries, 49 yards. Um, Nothing really impressive. Again, the offensive line is bad. They're not making holes. Um I don't, I mean, he doesn't have the kind of speed really to, to bust those outside runs, you know, and, and kind of outrun defenders that are prepared for it. Plus we already talked about what West Virginia was doing defensively. There was not going to be anywhere to run because they just didn't think Phil was going to throw, which turns out. Look, Rodney Hammond touched the ball seven times on the first drive. You don't have to be a math major to figure out he touched the ball seven times for the rest of the game after that. He had 10 carries in the first half. Those first seven touches produced about 40 yards. The next three produced about negative one. So West Virginia started selling out for the run because, again, they knew Phil Dracovic couldn't complete a forward pass, much less throw one. So, like, when you're at the point where the passing offense is so negligible that it's nearly zero – you're going to start stacking the box and you're going to start getting ready for Rodney Hammond to take the ball and Daniel Carter to take the ball and Sebo Flemister to take the ball. Like that's just what happens when you have zero passing game and they've had zero passing game in these last two games against power five opponents. Like the receivers again, weren't able to get open. They weren't able to make plays. Even when they were, there was one play that a wide receiver made. It was the 20 yard catch to Bub Means. There was one significant play that was that was yeah. that resulted from the passing game. The rest was nothing. And the the worst play of all was the third interception by Phil Dracovic, where he threw it in between wherever Bub Means was supposed to be and wherever Kanate Mumfield was supposed to be, when he had a check down running back option ten yards in front of him, wide open. Like it's that play. Kind of floated it in there, too. He floated all three of those interceptions. This is why I asked Frank Signetti one week ago today about mechanics. Right. And where are Phil's mechanics? And do you feel like he's throwing the football properly? No answer from Frank Signetti. Pat Narduzzi asked again on Saturday about Phil's mechanics. No answer from Pat Narduzzi on Saturday about Phil's mechanics. So no one wants to talk about it or even in the slightest lie and say, yeah, we think they're fine. Because watch the film. Watch the game. His, he's he's not throwing the football in an effective way. He's he's throwing it just he's not having any zip on it. He's not putting it in the right spots. His accuracy is way off. So it starts there. And it, I, I mean, we're going to talk in circles in this show, right? Yeah. We're going to talk in circles in the show because at the end of the day, all this does is it comes back to the quarterback. It comes back to the offensive coordinator. It comes back to the head coach. And now how do they move forward? Well, they have to face a top 20 team and the front runner for the Heisman Trophy in their building. And that team will get booed. I'm not talking about North Carolina. I'm talking about Pitt. Pitt will get booed on Saturday. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just telling you it's going to happen. Hot take time, Corey. 
I would keep Phil Dracovic in there against North Carolina and let uh, let the backup have a fresh start against Virginia Tech. That's what mm-hmm. I would do this week mm-hmm. if I were them. And I know that that sounds bad, but they're going to lose this game regardless of which one they start. You can argue this. They have a bye week after Virginia Tech. You could you could roll Phil out for Virginia Tech too if you want and then make That's the switch. Point. You have to see where this team is at after North Carolina. Like, if you're going to make the switch into Virginia Tech, okay, fine. So you put Christian Vare or Nate Ornell, most likely Christian Vare, in a situation where he has to go to a really tough road environment in prime time for his first start as a pit quarterback. Yeah. You have to see I what see happens. your point, man. You, you have to see what happens against North Carolina. Like, if it's the same or worse, and I didn't think it could get worse than Cincinnati, apparently it can. So I don't know if it could get worse than it was against West Virginia, but apparently it can. So if, if Phil trots out there against North Carolina and does this again, you have to consider it. But I still don't think you do it until after the bye week at minimum. At that point, okay, let's, let's, let's assume for the sake of conversation that Pitt loses Saturday against North Carolina. They move to one and three. Yeah. Where is the season from that point? Because Virginia Tech isn't a gimme. You, you still have Florida State, North Carolina, Duke on the schedule. I mean, those that's four potential more losses. You're looking, you're staring into the barrel of a potential seven loss season. Just off of those games that Pitt will not be favored in from that point, I, sure, I don't yeah. think. So, and maybe Syracuse by this point. Syracuse is playing unbelievable football. So look, you're staring into the barrel of a potential six and six, five and seven situation here. Like you have to save your season at some point. Unless Phil magically drinks, you know, Mike's secret stuff from Space Jam. <laughs> then you ha- then you have to make a decision at some point. And look, uh, if Pat Narduzzi remains loyal to Phil Dracovic and this persists, Pat's putting more than just the season on the line. That's what this is gonna come down to at a fine line point. That fine line point has not hit yet. But if this persists and he's steadfast on playing Phil Dracovic, then it's going to hit. So, okay, got to be careful with that too. You made a great point though about waiting till the bye week, and and maybe that is ultimately more fair to the backup, even right. Br has a, a shot then to to maybe like resurrect the season at that point, given the time to practice with the ones and everything like that. I can see the logic in that. I can also see the logic in. In, in giving it the old college try, if you will, with, with Phil Dracovic, because, you know, mm-hmm. despite their assumptions that he would pick this system up quickly, you know, being that it's Frank Signetti, it, ha- it's, it clearly hasn't happened. So maybe it takes a little bit longer. Maybe they want to try that. I, I get that logic. I just feel like they've made this whole situation so caustic. There's almost no right choice right now. If he goes to a backup, like against UNC, I just think that would be setting up for like what looks to be a completely collapsing program. There's no hope. The quarterback, the, even the backup's awful. We can't even yell about that anymore. Now they're booing the team just because out of spite, even though Phil's not in. You know. Like, well, you have to. Well, hold on. Let me pump the brakes on that because I don't necessarily agree with that. You have to put the best players on the field that give you the best chance to win the game, right? At any given Saturday, 
And it, there's two there's two sides of the coin. If Christian Veyer is not as good or does not give Pitt as good of a chance to win that Phil Dracovic does, then why play him? Right. On the other hand, it could not be worse than what Phil's doing right now. It, it, it It's hard to be at that point. So, and if Pat Narduzzi goes to Christian Veyer, by this point, Pat has backed Phil up at more than one juncture. By this point, Pat has laid out his law, which is we don't bail on players. We stick to our guns. This is our program. You stick to the program. You stick to the plan. So one of two things to that, if he plays Christian Veyer over Phil Dracovic, he's going against his own word, his own philosophy that he put on the table for himself. If he does go to Christian Veyer, if this persists with Phil Dracovic, he is literally giving Pitt a chance to save the season. He is swallowing his pride. He has given this program a chance to save the season. What is more at stake here is a bigger question. Is Pat Narduzzi, I don't think Pat Narduzzi's tenure or anything like that is in question, but is Pat Narduzzi's reputation in the recruiting going forward and all of this other stuff that comes with the transfer portal, all of the politics that is involved in college football, is that at stake because Pat Narduzzi will not pull the plug on a quarterback that is failing at every stop? Hmm. Something has to give here at some point. It just does, or else this season's going to go in the tank very quickly and very rapidly. Because that was the only other angle I could really think of, Corey, was the, the transfer portal politics, because there is a certain expectation when you when you come out of a transfer portal and you decide to go someplace that you're going to get the opportunity that was promised to you. There also has to be an expectation that your coach wants to win. So I would think there's like a balance there that, that has to be struck. And I don't know what the right answer is for what that looks like. I would have to imagine that's individual to specific players, right? It means different mm-hmm. things, to different people, you know, maybe a defensive end that's going to transfer in doesn't really care if you decided to bench that quarterback or not. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to think about. Um, it's a tough situation and I, I just wish they'd quit making it tougher. And here's another problem. Here's another problem I have. Okay. Jay Cradle took to the podium after the game and was asked essentially, does Keaton still have the locker room? Right. Or Keaton, excuse me. Does Phil still have the locker room? And I'm going to bring up Keaton in a moment. And he said, yeah, of course, you know, Phil's a leader. Phil's our guy. We trust in Phil. We believe in Phil. It's the same stuff that was said about Keaton Slovis last year, up until after the fact, when Pat Narduzzi spilled the beans and said, we didn't think this guy was a leader. And now it, that's what's thought of in that locker room about him. So I can't even buy stock into a teammate saying, yeah, we trust Phil Dracovic because the same exact thing last year happened with Keaton Slovis, where everybody was saying, we trust Keaton, we're backing Keaton, Keaton's our guy. And then the moment that he left, the head coach took to the podium and said, yeah, you know, wasn't much of a leader after all. Wasn't really our guy after all. And like, That's a, I, I can't, I can't trust what comes from that locker room about the quarterback no, because you can't. it's a repeat offense at this point between Kovic so, and Keaton Slovis. So is crapping on a player that leaves for the transfer portal because Pat Narduzzi likes to do that as well. So we added another thing there. Let's take a quick break, Corey. When we come back, let's try if we can to refocus and actually live up to what you named this show. Let's what can be done to try to fix this a little bit, all right?
All right, we are back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Please subscribe if you um, if you are new to the show. We don't mm-hmm. usually get all animated and stuff. We just kind of analyze the games. There was just some real hot button stuff this time, folks. But mm-hmm. make Maybe sure you hit some- that little that little that little bell and get your notifications and all that jazz. That's what we need. Maybe there's some residue from the other bad football game I saw on Monday uh, <laughs> here at Pittsburgh. At least that one came out on the right side somehow. Yeah, I do want to clarify a thing from segment one. Uh, Phil Dracovic not being made available after the game is a Pat Narduzzi call. Period. Okay. All right, so fixing this, Corey, how do we go about that? Number one, if we're talking about just the offense, okay? You have to feed Ronnie Hammond the ball more than what he's been given to start the season. Seven carries on one drive. Okay. If you want to do that, go for it. But you can't give him seven carries for the rest of the game after that. 14 touches. We saw the touches come through, at least in, 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 a, in a spectrum of an improvement from the Cincinnati game. Okay. Right. But there's no flow to the offense either. It's more than just about the quarterback making bad throws and bad timing and, and all of this other stuff. It's about the flow and the rhythm of the offense. Let the quick game come through. Get some short routes going for Gavin Bartholomew or Kanate Mumfield or whoever it has to be. If it's Sebo Flemister, get some short stuff going. Get the offense moving and then start to open up all the play action and the exotic stuff that you want to do on the offense. That's, to me, the number one thing. This, this team is built to run the football. It, it has been for years now. Even when Kenny Pickett was here, they still had Izzy. Like, yeah, right. Kenny Pickett was able to make spectacular plays with his arm, but they don't have that. So, go back to the roots. That's my best guess is to start with because, quite frankly, they're just a, they're at ground zero right now, Gary. There's nothing for this offense to feel positive about in the slightest. The offensive line's been bad. The quarterback's been bad. The receivers haven't been great. And the, and the running back isn't getting the ball. So, it has to start with Frank Savietti and how he's able to dial up anything to get some rhythm under the legs of Phil Dracovic. If he's going to have any shot at succeeding and throwing the football, and if any receiver is going to have any shot at getting open, they have to run the football better. I mean, even last year, because at least we do have the benefit of having the, the same offensive coordinator. So at least we know what we saw last year with different set of players played out a certain way. And I understand it's a slightly different offense here with Phil. You have to look back and think about Izzy. How much of that was Izzy? And how much of that was that offensive line just being so dominant at that point? It's almost like I want to think that his offense works, but if you've got to have like five-year seniors all across your line and an all-American you know, running back. I, I don't know that that makes it necessarily a good design for a college football program. <laughs> I don't think so either. And okay. Phil is dead last in the ACC QBR, by the way, 29.1. This is, these are stats coming from ESPN. So Phil just, you know, isn't even fielding a competitive try at throwing the football. Right. And, I think that having some kind of just presence, and what I mean by that is establishing some kind of a run game or the quick game or something to 
get it moving. There was yeah. so much stagnation. It was so stagnant on Saturday. It, it got to the point where the pit offense took the field and it was like, okay, when's the punt coming? Right. Here's a stat from ESPN. This is from David Hale, who is tremendous at covering college football and college athletics. Pitt has allowed pressure on 44.8% of its dropbacks when the defense did not bring an extra pass rusher. That's the wow. worst mark in the country and is up 34% from last year. So the offensive line, I didn't think the Ryan Jacoby leg injury was going to be a huge deal, but maybe it is. I don't know. Or they lost, you know, Carter Warren to the NFL, Gabe Boyd to the NFL, Marcus Meyer to the NFL. Maybe those guys leaving are more of an impact than we thought because this offensive line – and B.J. Williams is now hurt, the true freshman who didn't play well against Cincinnati anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the true freshman's hurt. The other guard is hurt. And, you know, it's it's a sad state of affairs right now for the offense as a whole, and it doesn't help that the offensive line is playing terribly either. Yeah, because for to bail out a quarterback that's having a lot of trouble, you, you mm-hmm. want to almost dial up some smaller, shorter passes, quick release type things, swing passes screen passes, things like that. You can't even do that if your offensive line isn't holding up. And if nobody trusts that you're going to pass it downfield, we've seen this play out before too. There's nowhere to go once the ball does get in the back's hands or or that wide receiver on the swing pass. So at some point, at the end of the day, this is really an exercise in the quarterback play must be better regardless of who it is and the offensive line must be better if those two things happen everything else will become serviceable at least Mm -hmm. i think is the best way to put it i still stand by what i said i still stand by phil can't play anymore like it just can't happen if this season has a chance to get off the ground in any capacity and we're as we're live on youtube alan chimes in they don't look like they don't know what to do or they look like they don't know what to do I mean, there's some to that. It's coaching, too. It's direction of the offense. It's giving this offense and Phil, and look, Frank Signetti comes in, and he has the relationship with Phil from Boston College, and they know each other really well, and this is supposed to work seamlessly. Nothing is close. Nothing is off the ground. This is a crash-and-burn situation waiting to happen, and it's only a matter of time before they have to make a call, and they're forced into making a call because at some point it's going to cost the season. If it has already, that's really the storyline when that happens at at this point, or does he turn it around? So, I mean, both of those things, I suppose are possible. I just, uh, I think Mm -hmm. one of them is more likely right now. I'm just looking at what I'm looking at. Yeah. So Corey, Alan brings up real quick in the YouTube comments, because we are live on YouTube running the ball 15 times in a row cannot work. No, it can't. You can run the foot. If if you're having success with it, you could do it. But at some point uh, it was, it was 12, but at some point you have to let Phil throw it. Like even from a game plan perspective, they didn't trust Phil to throw it. So we'll see how much trust is in Phil and how much he gets booed, quite frankly, against North Carolina, which is coming up in just a few days. And uh, yeah. Gary, we did our best today. It it was a tough show. It was going to be a <laughs> tough show. So appreciate you all listening in. And um, we'll definitely be back a week from today to recap. Who knows what happens against North Carolina? Well, here's the thing. All that stuff aside, we're still going to end the show the way we always do. H2P. 